Hey guys, so you're with Donna and Cheryl from Now Is Your Time and we have got a great guest with us today, um, a beautiful young lady by the name of Parnas Esan. I'm going to make sure I say your name right, Parnas, I'm having difficulty getting my tongue around things today. Um, and whilst Parnas is actually still really young by our terms, like we could be her parents, actually what she's already grasped at this young age is the power of thought, the power of being able to drive your own destiny through you really owning and taking responsibility for how you think and how you approach your life. So we're going to be talking through the day and finding out a little bit about how she came to know this, stuff that it's taken me like an extra couple of decades to get my head around. So welcome. Hi, how are you both doing? <laughs> we are good, thank you. You're looking gorgeous. So tell mm -hmm. everyone where you're dialing in from today. I'm doing really well. I'm so excited to be here and to be able to share my story with everyone. Yeah, and where are you? Is it Canada you said? Yeah, you're in? Yes, so I'm in Canada. So I grew up in the greater Toronto area and that is my hometown. However, I go to school in a city called Guelph. Guelph? Yes. Guelph, I've not heard that no, before. No. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because you say school, so is that like our university? Yeah, so I'm in my last year of university right now. Yeah, and what are you studying? Business. I want to work in human resources in the future. You will be good at that. I've got some really great books as well that I'll recommend to you to see if you're on your reading list before we go later on the day. So <laughs> right. So um well just talk to us then, Pana. So we know from speaking to you that you suffered from anxiety really from being um even younger than you know, like at school you were suffering from anxiety, yes. Yeah, so especially as a teenager, in my teenage years, I dealt with anxiety a lot growing up. And through working on my mindset and working on, you know, the physiological and psychological aspects of my life, I've been really able to alleviate that. And I'm really happy to say that right now, I'm in a state of absolute contentment, and I'm probably the happiest that I've ever been. Yeah, well, that's really good to hear because, you know, increasingly now we're finding, um, you know, through these podcasts that Cheryl's daughter Holly is only 21. So, um, you know, still, you know, learning and there's so much more, I feel like being a teenager now, there's a lot more anxiety or awareness of anxiety than I was certainly ever conscious of. I was a really anxious teenager, but I genuinely felt like I was the exception when I was at school, whereas... I don't know if it's with social media that we're more aware of it or just mental health in general. Or mental health is becoming more yeah. of an issue. I'm not sure if that's something you noticed. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you. I think that one aspect is definitely media and technology. And as great as it is to be in a day and age where we have such great technology around us and we have the media, this, this does cause us to um, make comparisons to ourselves uh, comparisons with ourselves to other people whether that be celebrities or even our friends just scrolling down our Instagram feed and even though um, you know what I mean on social media we're all just sharing our highlights yeah it's yeah. hard to kind of just take that in and realize that as you're scrolling down your feed you just kind of look at other people and you think oh this person has such a nice better body than me this person seems like they have such a better social life they seem like they're achieving so much more than me and as we make these comparisons it causes us to feel upset and it causes us to become anxious I, I, I literally call it comparisonitis and it's one of the, we do a lot of work on people with self-esteem as coaches. And one of the things that we see all the time is you, you just 
stop the activity of comparing yourself and whether however that activity is happening so if it's social media come off social media if it's in your thoughts change your thoughts but that constantly comparing yourself leads to nothing but misery right mm -hmm. and I think it would be good just to share because you said that when you were 16 you felt as if that was maybe your pit moment because you talked about home friendships relationships so just if you can just share a little mm -hmm. bit about that point Definitely. So when I was 16, um, I reached a point in my life where I guess you can say every single aspect of my life had kind of went downhill. Um, at home, I was dealing with problems. In terms of my friendships, I felt like a lot of things were lacking and they just weren't going right. And in terms of the relationship that I was in, I felt like so many changes need to be made. So all these different aspects of my life just weren't going great. And in addition to that, from a very young age, I've always been very goal oriented and I've always had this need to achieve. And at 16, I really didn't know what my talents were and I didn't really know what I wanted to do the rest of my life going forward in terms of my career or what I could give to the world. And with all of these aspects together, it just caused me to be to feel very anxious all the time and even though I was able to go out and be social <laughs> I would come home sometimes and I would just start sobbing because I was just so unhappy all the time mm -hmm. and I realized over time that masking my emotions because I wouldn't tell anyone how I was feeling because I felt that I would come across weak I realized that masking my emotions was a form of self-sabotage and it was causing me to get worse and worse. And I reached a point where I was almost depressed and I started not seeing much value in my life. It was hard for me to get up in the morning and to go to school. And I reached a point where really my friends and family started getting involved because they noticed that I was so upset all the time. And with the love and support of other people, I was able to overcome this pit that I had fell into. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, I was able to get out of that. But really, um, it was a journey ever since then. And through improving different aspects of my life and working on myself and becoming self-aware, I was able to really change my life. And it was really when I started changing the way that I was thinking that I was finally able to reach a state of absolute contentment. And I was able to alleviate the anxiety that I had dealt with as a teenager. That's amazing. Which is, it's amazing, isn't it? So can you just share with it? So you, you, your friends and family, your loved ones got involved, which was great um and you you kind of built up to changing your thoughts what else did you do just for anyone else who's listening who was suffering from anxiety feel like they're in the grips of mm -hmm. depression what what did you do that kind of helped to alleviate it and take it on your journey yeah so definitely i i think talking to someone who was able to understand me was something that really helped me get out of this whether um, it's a counselor or it's a loved one who you trust i think it's really important to not mask your emotions and not keep things to yourself because when you do bottle things up, it starts to build and build and you're going to reach a point where you're just going to tip over eventually. <laughs> like Krakatoa then, you say, it just blows up, doesn't it? Rather than it just coming out normally. It's, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it's really important to get an opinion from a third party who isn't going to be biased, who wants the absolute best for you. So whether it's, it's a therapist or a counselor, or again, just a loved one who you trust, I think it's really important to first 
share your story with someone and seek that advice from a third party. Mm-hmm. Fabulous. And did you, and you talked about exercise as well, didn't you? That, that was an important part of your journey. Mm. Yeah, definitely. So after I overcame that pitfall back when I was 16, um, I started working on different aspects of my life that helps me alleviate my anxiety and helps me live a better life. So exercise was one of the things that I noticed really changed the way I felt. Every time I go get a workout, I'd go work out. I noticed for the next, I'd say 48 hours, I just felt so much better. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you look into the science behind this, it is because it does increase your dopamine levels. And that causes you to pretty much feel better because it's boosting that happiness hormone that is inside you, right? So I started exercising. And in addition to that, I also started eating well and sleeping, right? Especially when you enter university and college, you're around, um, you know what I mean? Around a lot of different people who talk about pulling all-nighters, who talk about, you know, just having an energy drink and just isn't it? It's like you haven't really lived unless you've stayed up all night swatting or doing something last minute or yeah, it's like something to be proud of, I guess, is how it's perceived. Yeah, certainly. And it's almost normalized in college and university, especially I'd say in your first year. But I realized that no, sleeping well and eating well and exercising are what's important, actually taking care of yourself. So I incorporated self-care and I would say that was what really caused me to significantly bring down my anxiety levels. I also started managing my time. I stopped procrastinating. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I started creating a schedule and I started following through with that. So those aspects, I guess, um, the, the more physio, physiological, I guess you could say, in addition to time management, those aspects really, really do help alleviate your anxiety levels. And can you talk about the procrastinating thing a little bit? Because we speak at women's events and we, again, we coach people in one-to-one in groups and we talk about this a lot. So I always have this analogy about procrastinating. It's like, if you get this great dinner and you leave the favorite thing that you, you know, you have your favorite thing first and then you leave the thing that you least like right till the end, then that's the taste that you have after your meal. And we're like, that's what we do with our days. The thing that we really don't want to do, if it's disciplining someone, if you're in a, you know, people role or, I don't know, paperwork, whatever it is for you that you don't like, you leave at the end of the day and then all day you have to, oh God, I've got to still do it. Like you talk, you talk us through that because you actually said it gave you anxiety procrastinating. Yeah, definitely. So I think, as you mentioned, a mistake that a lot of people make is that the task that they might find the hardest or the most difficult to do, they tend to put that off when in fact you should be doing the opposite. So I, what I like to do is um, at the end of every week, so on a Sunday, I like to sit down and kind of make a plan for what I want my week to look like. So I never actually write down more than three to five major tasks that I want to get done every single day because I find that it's better to keep it simple and to keep it realistic. You want to set realistic goals that you'll actually know that you'll be able to achieve every single day. And what you want to do is you want to make sure that every single day you're doing the hardest task first. It's just better to check that off your to-do list. And once once that's done, you can pretty much relax throughout the rest of the day and you can just go about doing the simpler tasks. So for example, let's just say um, it's winter time and you really don't want to go drive to the gym and work out. You should probably do that first thing in the morning just so you get that out of the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally agree. It's such good advice. And it's, 
it's just so practical. So it's something that we preach and we do ourselves, but it's lovely to hear it from somebody who actually has applied that methodology and has seen the importance of it working alongside activity, eating well, and sleep is really important. People really underestimate the importance that sleep has on the, you know, dopamine, cortisol, all the other things that it, it kind of impacts. Do you have like a bedtime routine or a sleep routine, anything that kind of gets you into the zone before bed, especially when you're studying, you've got all these exams and things? Mm -hmm, absolutely. So I personally find that it's better to sleep earlier and wake up earlier in the morning because you're, you're pretty much exposed to more bright light. And it's actually proven that this, the light that is released by the sun does have antidepressant effects. Mm -hmm. So the more exposure, the more exposure that you get to that, the better it is for you. And I'm personally just the type of person where if I wake up early in the morning, I feel a lot more better mm -hmm. and I'm able to accomplish a lot more throughout the day. So I'd say definitely um, <clears throat> setting a set sleeping schedule. So let's just say you sleep at 10 p.m. every night, you should wake up at you should get at least, I'd say, um, seven hours of sleep. So then you should be waking up at like six or maybe seven in the morning every single day. And I like to set alarms too. So sometimes I like to set reminders on my phone <laughs> to remind me the time that I should go to bed. And I also set an alarm in the morning too, just so that I make sure I'm not sleeping in and that I'm waking up at a reasonable time just to make sure that I wake up in the morning and I start my day super productive. Yeah, I'm not a morning person, but I do find it better when I get up and whether I'm doing training or this morning, it was like yoga meditation stuff. And then before the house gets up, because once the house gets up, then all bets are off, quite mm -hmm. frankly, once you've got kids and things. So, Fab, so well, thanks for sharing that. So hopefully the people who are listening mm. have taken some tips from that. So so you, you kind of cracked your exercise, you're eating, you're sleeping and your schedule, and then you moved on to your thoughts. So just yeah. tell everyone um what you did to change your thought process which has then led to you feeling more content absolutely so throughout um i'd say my first few years of university it was again more the physiological aspects of my life eating well exercising sleeping well and also managing my time that really helped significantly reduce my anxiety levels however i started doing some self-reflecting self about a year and a half ago and I was just thinking to myself, okay, so I'm receiving all this praise from friends and family members, and I've accomplished such seemingly great things so far. Why is it that I'm still in this state of lack? I still felt like I was in a state where I wasn't good enough, and I felt like there was so much missing from my life. And I kept looking at the things and um the external aspects of my life, I kept looking around and thinking, okay, what is it that is causing me to feel this way? And I reached this realization where, where I realized it was not the external circumstances in my life that were causing me to feel that way, but rather it was myself. <laughs> I had this maybe it's me moment. And then ever since then, I started getting into working on the way that I think. So a year and a half ago, it just started with reading articles on how to be positive and how to you know like improve your mindset and that led to me reading books like dale carnegie's how to stop worrying and, st and start living which is great for anxiety by the way and um, also the gratitude keeper and the secret which introduced me to the law of attraction which also really shifted the way that i think 
Mm-hmm. So ever since I started really applying the things that I was learning, whether it was through reading books or something that I learned through listening to a podcast, I started seeing my life shift. And obviously this wasn't overnight and I'm talking in the course of a year and a half, mm-hmm. but ever since I changed the way that I was thinking and I started focusing on all the good and everything that I do have, I started feeling and seeing abundance and I was able to truly reach a point where I was absolutely content with my life. And I can honestly say that I'm the happiest that I've ever been. And the more I started changing my mindset, I started attracting better into my life as well. I love that. And and I think, and I think this is what a lot of people are waiting for things to get better rather than actually understanding if you change yourself, your mind, mindset, change your experience of your experience, then greater things, better things, higher vibrational things will come to you rather than it, you know, happening as a fluke. And the great thing is, I think when you're open to that and you understand that way of thinking and the law of attraction methodology, you are, um, you are more grateful when those things appear because you see them because mm-hmm. you're kind of hoping for them and asking for them rather than thinking, well, that's the exception to the rule, only bad stuff happens to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. The gratitude, key, I've not heard of that book, actually, that's a new mm-hmm. one on me as well. So I'll add that to the list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so wow. in terms of where you are now, then you're the happiest you've ever been. So if there was one pay forward and um, paid forward life lesson that you would want to tell either somebody that's listening or somebody that's listening that might be bringing up kids or grandkids like what 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 is the paid forward life lesson for you definitely so one thing that I definitely want to share with anyone who is listening to this right now is that no matter who you are what your circumstances or are or where you are in life you can overcome anything and you can achieve anything that it is that you want in life. And an important thing to keep in mind is that people who are truly content with the lives that they have, they can have the entire world crumbling down around them, but they will still be happy. That is why we see some of the most, you know, successful, richest people in the world be so unhappy. Whereas some of the people in the world who are living in absolute poverty live very happy long lives it all comes down to the way you think and your thoughts are very powerful and they truly do change your life so I really encourage everyone to focus on their mindset and do some self-reflecting because it there really is a lot of power behind that love that what great note to end on thank Thank you you so much much. for for sharing that with us today thank you thank you thank you so much Bye. bye bye